Welcome to the podcast. It's Richard here with Steve and Angela again. Hi. Good to be back. We are uh, continuing the Becoming Like Jesus series. I'm not going to explain it a third time. If you're like, oh, what's that? Then <laughs> go back a couple of podcasts and we explained it all. But it's something we're doing together as a church going through Luke. And so our job today, this morning, this early morning, it's not that early, but it, it, we, we were doing young adults until late last night, so it feels an early morning, um, is to go through the next part of Luke and just kind of fly through, pick up some themes, um, explain some things so that when you're reading it, you've had a bit of a heads up. Um, yeah, which should be good. And the, the next bit of the text that we're doing is chapter five, all of chapter five. Right here we With go. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Here. So there's a, yeah, there's like a lot of. This is one of those. If your Bible has the subheadings, you're like, oh, the the subheadings are increasing. So helpful. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You see, there's lots going on, and so. But I, I, but like before we dive into chapter five, like how's it been spending a bit more time reading in Luke for you guys? Oh, I really liked just going back every day reading the same thing, and thinking, what do you want me to focus on here, God? Mm-hmm. What are you telling me? And um, and not kind of freeing myself from that notion of, oh, I have to find something new today. Yeah. I have to find something new today. And ju- honestly, just uh, unhitching from that requirement yeah. has really been helpful because I've gone deeper for the with the things That's that cool. he has told me about, has shown me. Yeah. yeah. And for me, just it. the repetition has been, it's been great. I mean, I, the way I read this, it's very much like I have, um, I have, I'm thinking about what it would look like to personally be there and be, and be yeah. a spectator in, in Luke and all that he's describing. Um, and so every, it's like watching a movie almost, um, every time I read it, I see something different, um, and it helps me remember um, the story, and it causes me also to want to go to the other gospels and and see, okay, what did the you know what did the other yeah. um, writers say about these scenes? Because I want to know more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it causes cool. me to be more hungry the more I read it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. I I actually was already in Luke in my own sort of daily devotional mm-hmm. reading, um, but I go quite slowly. Um, just reading i don't know sometimes it's like jesus does a thing for a whole chapter so i read a lot and sometimes it's like jesus says like a little parable and i just like that'll be my thing yeah but so i feel like i've been so saturated in luke Mm. (laughs) which is kind of cool to read one bit and dwell on it and then like put it up against another piece and see like the themes emerging and the connections um has been really cool as well so yeah, I'm like, I'm in full Luke mode. <laughs> there you <Yes>. go. <laughs> it's, uh, and it, it looks like I unashamedly, you know, it's like, should you have a favorite part of scripture? Yeah, but, you know, oh, that's, like, he's like, yours. Oh, yeah, Luke's yeah. my favorite. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm loving it. Yeah. Oh, good. So chapter five, we should do a little bit of a um, the story so far uh, in 30 seconds kind of thing. And so um, I think I asked one of you last time, so I'll, I'll do it this time. So... We haven't actually gone through the nativity and uh, some of those things because Advent's coming really soon. So we're going to do that uh, maybe later on. 
Um, but we we started with John the Baptist, who's this prophet, um, kind of shaking things up, getting people thinking, raising the anticipation level. And then Jesus appears and it is baptism, like the, the father's mm-hmm. voice from heaven says, this is my son. And, you know, I'm pleased with him. And um, the focus is put on Jesus. And then we get this kind of genealogy, mm-hmm. not kind of genealogy. We get this genealogy and it goes all the way back to Adam. So we're presented with Jesus as being like the um, the answer to what we're anticipating and that he's like, he's a new Adam figure. He's a new mm-hmm. representative of humanity. And then the surprising <coughs> next thing is that the f- like the first thing after this kind of climax reveal moment, you know, so it's like the curtains part, center stage, mm-hmm. spotlight on Jesus. It's almost like Jesus walks off stage and, mm-hmm. you know, into the wilderness and he has this wrestling with the enemy. And so this like temptation is thrown at him and, and we talked about that last time, sort of really interesting. Um, and then Jesus actually is empowered. So it's almost like the, I don't know, the affirmation of like, pay attention. Like this is the person who's going to do it. Then like he does it against the enemy. And now like a lot of the rest of the gospel is he's going to do it against the kingdom of darkness, the, like the forces of injustice that like he's going to continue to be this one who's mm. victoriously bringing like God's heart to bear on the world. Um, so the temptation is really interesting. And, and then we get like two scenes in two towns. One's his hometown where he's kind of not just rejected like, ah, dude, we don't think much of you, but it's, turns nasty and then in another town where they just don't want him to leave they can't get enough of him all right one's ones we want to kill you (laughs) yeah there's like hey hang around yeah and so so luke's kind of presented us with um it almost sets up like hey look at how important jesus is and then but look how wildly different the responses to jesus can be Mm mm-hmm so it's almost like he's taking us on a journey, setting us up to think like, how am I going to respond to Jesus? Yeah. Um, and, and and we sort of left Jesus then like leaving that town, traveling around, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God in the various towns. So he's sort of like an itinerant rabbi um, sharing his message, teaching people and uh, healing people uh, along the way. And then we're going to get like, uh, another little twist that now at the beginning of chapter five, Jesus is going to invite some people to join in. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is like a, a real interesting um, twist as the, the mission, the activity, like the organization kind of, kind of expands and grows. And so it's, and so, so it, this is the beginning of chapter five. Yeah. So, so we get this interesting scene where, I don't know, you sort of imagine like how would Jesus recruit some disciples? Like is he going to go on LinkedIn and find, (laughs) you know, like who are are the best um, scholars of the law? Right. You know, like who are the top priests? Who's the best, you know, who, like where, where do you go? Like what was the LinkedIn of Jesus's day to go find like the right people or something like that? And, um, yeah, he just reads, he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had got out washing their nets, you know. And yeah. so there's a bunch of fishermen who've had 
a disappointing night fishing and are probably not in a great state of mind, like sat on the shore, you know, um, they haven't had a successful time of it. No. <laughs> They're probably tired. And that's where he goes. So yeah. it's, a, I don't know, like, like we're, we're used to this idea if we've been around Christianity at all, like, oh yeah, there were fishermen that were like different people. But this is like, this is a really bizarre moment. Yeah. You know, you're reading along, if you're like a first century Jew or Roman or, or Greek person or something like that, you're like, oh, Jesus is going to call some disciples. Oh, like, where's he going to go? He's going to go to the university. Like, what? Yeah, yeah he's going to go to the... What? What's going on? Synagogue. Yeah. <laughs> this is super interesting. Yeah. And here he is in the, you know, outdoors, standing by a lake. And it seems like there's a crowd, ar- there's a crowd around him, it says, um, listening to the word of God. So he's teaching the word of God, not in a temple, but by a lake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Which is um, a little scandalous. Yes, controversial. Judaism, right? Yeah. Right? This isn't the way it is done. So he's doing that. Um, and they um, are listening. And then all of a sudden he does something. He he get he gets into one of the boats. Where is he going? Um, and he sits down. He pushes. He asks them to push out a little bit. And then he continues to teach from the boat. So now that's his pulpit. Yeah. The boat to the people on on shore, um, and so, so then, what does he say to Simon? I lo- I love this. He's like you know he can I, I can imagine Simon sitting there saying, "Oh, you need my boat." He goes, oh, "We just so worked so hard, you know. I'm exhausted, and now you want to take my boat, and you want to go out a little." Further. Yeah, I would have totally That's in that be frame of mind work. be like, "Dude, go get your own boat." Like, yeah. I am not a boat fire. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay. You know, I mean, you can hear it in here. He's like, hey, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Yeah. Well, because it's not just, can I use your boat? Yeah. But it's, hey, let's go out and why don't you put your nets down? Yeah. So it's like, okay, we, we were just out there. We caught nothing. And this isn't the time of day when you normally catch fish in this depth of water. Well, and I wonder, So it's too, like, Jesus, you're doing everything wrong. Yeah, dude, I'm and the fisherman. I'm the fisherman. I'm the fisherman. You're, you're a carpenter's you're, yeah. son, this right? Is my what do you know about house. fishing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that's kind of confusing. But So it's amazing that he even says, okay, um, I'll go I'll go try that. Yeah. Um, and then this, this catch comes along that just basically... I think they're stunned, and you know all this fish jump into the nets. They fill up both these boats. They start to sink and everything. And I, he's just amazed. Um, and I think this, you know, the the penny drops for Peter here. When yeah. He's kind of like, oh, oh, who am I? You know, next to yeah. you here. Um, it, I do find it like the penny does drop because he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful yeah. man. Oh mm-hmm. Lord. So mm-hmm. there's like an acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably doesn't fully understand like who yeah. Jesus is, but like, Oh, like God's power is on display here. Like yeah. in some way you're sent from God. Yeah. And I know I'm, he's just aware of his, like that he doesn't belong. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that tension between like, knowing a bit about like who God is and knowing who he is and just feeling that tension, just being like, okay, like 
and it's not a reg- that's the interesting thing is we saw in the last chapter like an acceptance of Jesus like he's healing this is awesome he's awesome and we saw the rejection of like I want to kill you this is like language of rejection but it's actually an acceptance of who Jesus is yeah yeah so it's a really actually interesting nuance between the two in the last chapter yeah um and it's an acknowledgement and what he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I mean, Simon Peter knows that he's not worthy in his sin of being in the presence of God. He knows. And and um, and then I love how Jesus responds, don't be afraid. From now on, and I, I picture Jesus like even just in this moment drawing closer physically. Uh, text doesn't say this, but just sort of saying, look, I'm going to lean in because don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So he gives him a a job, a commissioning. And says something really personal to Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the lean in, I think. In the language that he, you know, he knows. He's a fisherman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he goes, in this fish for people. Yeah. Yeah. And then they left, they pulled their, they pulled their, boats up to shore and they left everything and followed him so they drew in close they obeyed and drew in yeah, yeah him so they like a rad- so a radical thing happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they realized some things and i think there's all this like unspoken there's something about like god being at work revealing through jesus's words yeah. and actions because there were like miracle workers in the ancient world, mm-hmm. it would have been really easy to be like, almost like a magic trick, like the nets yes. of all, and be like, oh, Sorcerers. wow, dude, how did you do that? But it's not. It's like there's a realization about something actually divine happening. Mm. And so there's a moment of realization, a radical thing happens, but then there's a radical response of like just leaving their nets, leaving the frustration behind and actually giving themselves to a like a whole new set of objectives mm. you know it like life has all of a sudden become about something different mm-hmm. um which is pretty amazing i i love um i love the humanity of peter here like i think you said steve like the almost the reluctance in his voice yeah because i can so associate with that yeah. right my my journey has not been one of easy realization open-handed submission to god easy obedience you know it just it's not who i am and i suspect that's not who anyone is (laughs) so (laughs) uh, it's sort of like jesus is inter he's doing something to engage um and and like jesus does the work of then overcoming rather than finding someone who's ready to say the easy yes Jesus is actually trying to do something to engage the person, to draw the yes out. I I, I sort of see him in there, this graceful way of, you know, even the way the scene plays out and, you know, are are Peter, uh, you know, are they watching him teach and they're kind of going, scratching their head a little bit. And, you know, even this acknowledgement of, well, maybe you, I'm the fisherman, you're a carpenter, but wait a second, there's something about you here. Uh, maybe I've got, you know, he's almost unpeeling this um, 
recognition of his own shortcomings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then that leads to this, get away from me, I'm a sinful man, you know, because yeah. it's not just the miracle, it's this realize that juxtaposition for like, what am I doing? Yeah, um, yeah. And it, yeah, it sort of confronts that. us. Yeah. So here's a question for us, because yeah. I think Jesus still does this, right? I think Jesus still gives us full net moments in our lives yeah. where like God does something and he's trying to not just get our attention, but change us, yeah. like to create a crossroads moment. And it's not like we're smart enough to figure it out and the penny drops, but he uses it yeah. to help the penny drop. And and we actually leave that encounter, um, we, I don't know, seeing the world differently, seeing ourselves differently, seeing God differently. It's like that sort of everything's changed, our objectives are changed, life's about something mm. different kind of moment. Like, none of the three of us are fishermen. Right. right. So our full net moments won't have been a full net. But I think it's sort of interesting to be able to look back and capture the full net moments. I wonder if if there's ones we miss sometimes where God's actually doing something. I also think it's really interesting to look forward and consider like what would a full net moment look like for me uh-huh. so that you can sort of be watchful. Like what are the kinds of things that are going on in my life that God could use um, to sort of be watchful for full net moments as well. Just knowing yeah. this is like, this is a way that Jesus has operated. I think the key, uh, a key thing in this full net, net moment that we're seeing here is um, it says they left everything and followed him. So they didn't, you know, hoist the nets in over their back, drag them alongside as they were going with Jesus, nor did they say, Hey, let's go cash this in for money, grab our money and then go. It was a demonstration of, of Jesus's power and who he was and them leaving everything was an acknowledgement that he could do it again and would mm, for mm. them. They didn't need the fish because they were going to get so much that and so much more in the yes. future as mm. we see. So for bringing the application to us and what our full net moments are going to be, I asked the question of where has God provided in my life? Not because I needed that provision. I thought I did, but um, how am I following him? Um, in a way that displays faith that he will, he can and will provide that and so much more in the future. And what is he asking me to therefore leave behind? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That like in, enables the risk that's a kind of fa- not just a blind risk or like entrepreneurial spirit, but is actually faith. It's the because safest it connects risk. connects a little bit. Yeah. Right. It's the surest yeah. risk. That It reminds me, I've told this story before, but it reminds me of like when Anna and I were newly married and didn't have like two pennies to rub together to keep warm. And um, we had this, uh, yeah, and we would kind of, um, work wasn't as regular, you know, so sometimes you had a bit less money. And I think it was a gas bill or something. And it's like, you know, the one that's, in red yeah. and bold and it's the third one you yeah know, right it's your final and we're like oh man you know and just making this decision and, and we'd been praying for god's provision 
but just kind of being confronted with the choice of like, do we go around and tell a bunch of people like we're in need or tell a bunch of people we're praying for this specific thing? Mm. And and just thinking like, well, if we do that, um, we won't really know as much if it's God answering prayer or just people being generous, which is still a thing God can use. Mm-hmm. You know, God can build generosity into people and that can work its way out. That's still, you know, rooted in God. But made a decision like, let's not tell anyone and prayed. And like a few days later, a plain envelope was pushed through the letterbox in our door. And I can't remember what the bill was. It was like something really specific, like £131.75. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And so I hadn't told anyone. And inside the envelope was £131.75. I love that story. Oh. That's amazing. And, and the, the, the difference it made, it was a kind of full net moment of like, oh, we can make the choice to, I don't know, to risk a little bit more. Mm. to make that choice of like oh well let's live in a way that like yeah there's some other things we could do but if god's saying like you can just rely on me for that one and you don't need to tell anyone like i'm gonna do something you don't need anyone else's help Mm. so it kind of it kind of cemented in like a a full net moment that Mm. that's that's Mm -hmm. real like god's done that yeah Mm -hmm. and so i have now an elevated sense of hope that god can do it again so that was that was like just especially when yeah. you're talking about the, the kind of risk factor mm-hmm. that I thought yeah that's a kind of full net moment that I remember. Have you guys had some? Yeah, I, I mean, I can. <clears throat> I, I think about uh, for the longest time I had a, just a completely fractured relationship with a sibling mm. of mine, and I would. Uh, I can share the story now because the other side, because it was a full net moment. But um, like I was trying everything I could uh, to draw him back into relationship, and and nothing was working. And it was just you know, time after time I would do this, do that. I called them every day, uh, and no response, no interaction, and. Um, it was something that it just broke my heart, but yet I was determined to do something about it myself. Mm. Um, and, and thinking, there's something I've missed that I need to do uh, to make this whole, et cetera. And finally, I just, um, uh, I really, I prayed a lot about it, and God said, you know, you're going to have to let this one go. This is not something you're going to do. Um, you know, I will. And the the other side of it was this moment of just the two of us coming together in a relationship that uh, I would like I would laugh at. It was almost that uh, you know, if you had, if God had told me this, um, hey, don't worry, your relationship's going to be good. I would have laughed at him and said, you know, that's not even close to happening. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, the relationship now um, is so much different and came up and visited after basically being years and years apart, and we just had a, a wonderful time. And, you know, the growth that we've had, the two of us have had together has been... Uh, spectacular and just nothing I would have thought of. Uh, but my 
I think what, you know, like you, I learned this notion of like my efforts in trying this are just, you know, I need to get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just, now I look at it and go, oh, where else do I have relationships that I can say that's going to be okay? Um, and, um, act when God, when I feel like God's act calling me to a specific action, mm. but don't go, you know, outside of what he's calling me to. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The theme you drew out at the end there of like God doing something you couldn't. Oh, Cause that's, sure. that's there in the text as yeah. well. Uh-huh. It was yeah. like Luke makes a point of Jesus filled the nets. They had failed all night yeah. to catch anything. Yeah. So it's almost like taking something frustrating yeah, and to like, so may, maybe it's oh, and may, f- maybe that should cause us to pay more attention to our frustrations yeah. and be be aware of what God may be doing in the midst of them. Yeah. Whereas I think sometimes when a frustration gets alleviated and goes away, we're just so glad to be done with it and have it out of our mind. Yeah. We don't want to dwell on it. We're like, we'd, we'd rather move on. And I wonder if that's a space where we sometimes miss things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should we no. we got we got to do oh, we've like got a couple of other here, scenes. So we should here. we should keep moving on. Uh, so so Jesus has been surprising. Yeah. Um, he's preached outside the synagogue. He's now chosen some fishermen, and then and Luke's like sewing together these scenes mm. to help us see a distinctive of Jesus. Mm. The next thing, there's a leper. Yeah. So someone with leprosy. And in in the ancient world, leprosy was um, a death sentence, but a slow death sentence. And it, I mean, goodness, talk about like COVID and the pandemic. Yeah. It was like leprosy was isolation special, you know, yeah. like you had to um, separate yourself and keep yourself away from everyone. It was a, it yeah. was a dangerous thing. And it was also this huge stigma. I mean, if you were a leper, you were seen as unclean. You were seen as somebody who was permanently out of society. You were seen as someone who was so sinful and is being punished by God. No one wanted to get near you. Mm. You were lonely. You were were feeling shame. Um, You didn't have a future and didn't have hope. Yeah. And so the leper comes and begs Jesus. He's mm. desperate because that's you're describing the things that are driving his sense mm. of desperation and desperate need. And um, yeah, Jesus has got this reputation for healing loads of people. So it's like, okay, cool. So if we've read so far, we're expecting like, yeah, Jesus are probably healing. The scandalous bit well, we're not expecting is him. Jesus reaches out and touches him. Yeah, and not just like happened to touch him. Jesus stretched out his hand. Yeah, like leaned forward, reached right out to make sure yeah. he touched him, not incidentally. Yeah. And so you could just imagine, like, especially because I imagine, like, you know, these fishermen who've had this, like, weird experience and, like, you know, this is crazy. Like, he might be the Messiah. Who is this dude? Yeah. You know, and, like, then one of the next things they see Jesus do is this. And, like, the intake of breath of, like, oh, what have we got ourselves in yeah. for? Like, mm-hmm. what's he doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, must, must be so confused. <laughs> and his words here, you know, really emphasize that. He's like, I am willing, and let me show you how willing I am. I'm going to actually reach out and touch you. That's, you know, intentionally reach yeah. out and touch you. 
Uh, and then, he, of course, he says, be clean. And immediately yeah. <laughs> the leprosy leaves him. Yeah. Um, and then he sends him it. to the priest yeah. because he wants to... I mean, there's an interesting little bit of history here. Is provision was made in the sort of in, in the Torah mm-hmm. of like a, a way to honor God in thankfulness mm. if you were cleansed from leprosy. It just so happened that leprosy, there was no cure, and there's no record of anyone mm. actually getting mm. cleansed from leprosy. So it's kind of like a a moot point, or as mm. Joey Tribbiano would say, the opinion of a cow. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a dead law. Yeah. And then Jesus, really interesting, sends him to like, go talk to the priest and be like, hey, yeah. I've got cleansed from leprosy. What should I do? Because that's going to really tweak the mind and get mm. people thinking. And it, it's sort of interesting because there's two layers of like, Jesus is proclaiming this good news, but he's clearly trying to shake people up and get them to yeah. think, to consider and Luke presented us like, wow, look at the radical kind of choices, like yeah. divergent choices people make about Jesus. And Jesus is actually, he's not trying to do his thing under the radar or be conflict averse or like he's intentionally across a quite a wide spectrum of people here, yeah. like a, a beggar, a fisherman, a, a priest, yeah. um, actually engage them. Yeah. But in, in in really different ways that are pertinent to where they're at and and like the right strategy to try to engage that person and get them thinking about the right question, which is just so master like Jesus's mm. ability over and over again to like have this perfect strategy to engage people. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's one of the really impressive things about Jesus. Well, and you know, it's I think what I find interesting too is he says, but he also says, hey. But don't tell anyone. And then when people find out, he goes and withdraws to like, yeah. to be alone and to pray. And, and I, I go back to just the previous chapter you mm-hmm. know, in the wilderness. It's like he's, he goes back in. But he goes back in and he's strengthened by um, uh, by praying. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And that is it's almost like an incidental point here. Like, oh, and he withdrew and did desolate prayer. So he had... Yeah. A, he had um, like a silence and solitude, yeah. alone time to pray yeah. um, and be like, oh, it's a small point. Um, the thing that makes it not a small point is the fact that this is a repeated pattern yeah. and theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's we have to like log that away. Mm-hmm. And then as we keep reading Luke and the other gospels, we're like, oh, wait a second, there's a pattern here. Yeah. Because sometimes those, those pa- it can be like small points to build a pattern. Actually, the pattern's really important. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, something mm-hmm. to dwell on there. As part of the pattern, though, I just didn't want to skip over. I'm going to ask you, Richard, to um, because I think some people are going to have questions about why does he say don't tell anyone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, and it's sort of interesting because it's like, does Jesus's strategy backfire because he ends up basically going viral, or, or was that, that kind of his plan all along? Uh-huh. But he he like I because because I think um, I th- I think Jesus knew um, the word would get out about this because mm-hmm. he's done it in front of a bunch of people, mm-hmm. right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's setting this guy up to be a vehicle for engaging the priests where he wants the priest's first, I don't know, 
confrontation with a question to be the fact of a man healed with leprosy mm. in front of them and they're going to have to figure out as religious leaders with the law in their hands mm-hmm. how to respond mm. so he's saying and, don't and tell if anyone they, other if than they've the already priest. read the newspaper headlines uh-huh. right and then he goes to them they're mm. going to have all these preconceived you know I- ideas and questions and actually, Jesus, I think, knows like the thing that's going to be fruitful for these priests is going to be because they they have so much stock, so much value, so much like the right way to engage the world is to hold the Torah up as the lens. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is just like, let's not. I'm not. I'm not going to tell him anything. We're not going to like have other people's reports. We're just going to put something in front of them that's going to make them look at the Torah and go, oh, wait a second. Yeah. It's like it's Jesus is pulling them back to a thing they already value mm. to help them engage. Okay. So I think, I think that's yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, as if this isn't like surprising enough, then we get this scene of like Jesus is going to heal another person. And this is like, you know, if you went to Sunday school, classic Sunday right. school story like it can be quite familiar from reading kids bibles things like that of the guy who's paralyzed and his friends really want him to get healed but he can't go like go where Jesus is so they're going to take him to Jesus and Jesus is in a house and it's crowded and so you know they can't get in and in in the ancient world the way houses were constructed they could like remove some tiles off the flat roof mm-hmm. and lower him down so they do something quite audacious and they are uh yeah not being easily deterred to go put this man in front of jesus and it's it's really interesting the way luke builds things here because we've we've had like oh fisherman really oh full net really a Mm -hmm. leper (gasps) like shocking you know and then like oh maybe we're gonna like take a breather now and just go back to like oh that's kind of audacious and he healed him and it was all okay and what Jesus actually does is say, he doesn't heal the guy. He says, your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. like, within this Jewish milieu, mm-hmm. everyone knows, like, sin's a problem. And we have this thing called the temple and the sacrificial system yeah. as a way to deal with it. And it's like the way. It's sacrosanct. It's central. It's like one of the most valuable things about our culture that we have something to deal with sin. And it's this thing over here on the Temple Mount. It's not a rabbi in a room. <laughs> you know, this is just like, no. that. this is not how we do this, Jesus. No, no. And so he is just, this is like a mind-boggling. And, and they, they're kind of beginning to view Jesus as a rabbi and have a box for him. And I was like, oh, you seem, kind of seem like a rabbi, but you're kind of different. So for like a rabbi to say your sins are forgiven mm. you is like to fly in the face of like what a rabbi ought to be doing. This is so mind-bending for uh, these people uh, to see play out. And uh, not just people see play out, but Pharisees and teachers of the law, they're the people in the room with him. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I, this is just, I, I mean, could you be more provocative, Jesus? Well, and I find it really interesting, all these other miracles, all these other moments happen, and yet the the first time we see it in his account here of, like, no, these are very specifically Pharisees and teachers of the law. And so it's almost as if all these other things are building up to 
actually what I'm really here for is forgiveness of sins. Yeah. You know, and he uses this moment with this particular audience to make this claim that he knows is gonna blow them away. Yeah. And they're, they're gonna go, hold on a second. You can how how do you do that? Yeah. And so it's driving back into that um re, you know, revealing his identity here, who yeah. he yeah. is. And like, well, who can forgive sins but God alone? Yeah. Like that's the question in the air. And he's like Okay, and and I love even what he says. Like he, they didn't actually ask that question. It says they were thinking to themselves, and of course Jesus knows what they're thinking. He says why, yeah. and then he states Wait, why. Are and they and it is like Jesus says. perceived. Yeah, I think even I would have perceived. Yeah, mm-hmm. like knowing the culture. If yeah, you, if you're a cultural insider, yeah. like everyone in the room knows what everyone else is thinking yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is, it's the obviousness of it. Yeah, because it's Jesus is. Part of what Jesus does is he's an agent provocateur. Yeah. Like there are some things that he wants to challenge. Mm. That's part of what Jesus does. He's a challenger mm-hmm. because it seems the more we read Luke, that even though this is a culture that has tried to put Yahweh, the God of Israel, at the center, Jesus' father at mm. the center, um, it's not really working. Right. Like their values, their priorities, their ways of doing things, like they need challenging. And that's part of Jesus's identity is like, yeah, he's a provocateur and he does it really, really mm-hmm. well. But he doesn't just provoke. He then answers the question as well, because they're, they're thinking like, what do this is like? This is not the way like you're doing it wrong. And then he says, just so you know that I'm not doing it wrong. What if I was to say to this guy, stand up, pick up your mat, yeah. and walk out of here? And he does. Yeah. And so Jaws hit the floor. Because I can be an agent provocateur. Yeah. Like I can ask someone some questions, right? But I can't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so it, it just there's such profound power behind Jesus' challenges as well. Yeah. And I love this idea that I'm thinking about this scene. Like I, I read this like I I'm watching a movie or I'm sitting there as a spectator. And this idea that he's explaining, first of all, he's reading their minds. Then he's answering the question that wasn't asked out loud. Um, Then he talks about who he is. um, And um, he gives a a visual demonstration through a miracle. Hmm. And, um, and I, I, I think it just for me, it begs the question of like, how many miracles have I seen in my life? And does that, um, and who do I think God is? Who do I think mm-hmm. Jesus is? And um, I mean, I can be a, a Pharisee here um, saying, who, you know, I can say these words in my head sometimes of who is this, who is this Jesus who can forgive me? Um, and and I just, it's, it's just a faith check. It's just a, it's a little bit of a check in my heart of, do I always, do I always um, bow to Jesus? And do I always appeal to him based yeah. on who he is mm. or who my idea is of him, who I think he should be? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. What's my expectation? Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, we're going to see mm. not just the rest of this chapter, but on like, this is going to be a continued theme. Jesus challenges. You know who we think are, he is. Yeah. Are, are we getting up in the morning, reading our Bible, praying, going to church, listening to some Christian podcasts, or all of these things, expecting to be reinforced in things we already believe? 
ought to be radically challenged because as broken humans in a broken world, it's so easy to be wrong. Well, I, you know, I, I just think so, yeah. I just think Jesus is tr- is just trying and, and Luke, the way Luke's presenting Jesus is to put in the foreground like we ought to be the second of those, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and it's really hard to have that attitude naturally. Yeah. Like we need Jesus to do the kind of things he's doing here to speak into our lives, you know, to show up in ways that challenge us. Uh, you know, we ought to. I don't know. Be on the watch for those things, but I think if you're the if you're trying to be the first kind of person with those sort of expectations, um, it can be really easy to miss these things, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. you it's and that's sort of one of the classic tragedies of some of the Pharisees. Sometimes is the thing Jesus is challenging them for they miss because they think actually it's a challenge for something else, mm-hmm. you know. So then was, I, yeah. I guess like finish up here the chapter like the next. Yeah. The next challenge, then, Jesus walks out and sees a tax collector, and he's a he's a Jew called Levi, and yeah, in the Roman world, the Romans were really good at trying to like divide society by hiring insiders to work for them. They were often corrupt. They worked for an oppressive power. You know, this is like um, you know realizing you've got like a terrorist insider you know, working within yeah. your own organization. I mean, I mean, it's just He's like, well liked, no, scandalous. Like you're not just, you're worse than the enemy because yeah. you're also a betrayer. Yeah, you betrayed your own people. Yeah. So Levi is like one of the ultimate bad dudes. He's like Mumra from He-Man or, you know, yeah. no, Skeletor from He-Man, Mumra <laughs> from Thundercats. Um, I have no cultural references for the last 20 years <laughs> for any bad guys. Um, He's like Sauron, you know, mm. it, it just oh, like, you know. yeah, he's he's a terrible person. And it's really interesting the way Luke presents this with the simplicity of Jesus not justifying anything, not trying to make room for acceptance, not trying to coach the people with him to make it easy for them. Again, he's it's being done in a provocative way. Mm. And it's provocative for the people with him and it's provocative for Levi. Jesus just says, follow me. And he does. And he just leaves everything. Again, yeah, we've got this left everything. Left everything. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. And then, so already that is kind of, that he would go talk, even a rabbi to go talk to a tax collector. It's kind of scandalous. And then, and then it feels like, you know, there's, there's a little... Uh, pause in the scene and like we come back like later in the day like now okay, there's a big so party. where did that follow me go like did levi reform his character give all like what happened like we don't have any explanation but that levi made a great feast with all his friends of course all his friends would be all the other traitors mm-hmm. because they're the only people you can be friends with um and yeah and, and they're having a party and and within this culture, having someone over for dinner, it says something about your acceptance and valuing of someone. Mm-hmm. Like sharing a meal um, was a very meaningful thing. And so, yeah, this is like mega, mega scandalous. And now these scribes and these Pharisees are like, they're complaining. Like, why, like, why is this happening? So they're confused. But it's really interesting because, like, Jesus' strategy works again. Mm-hmm. He's making people ask the question, and it's the it's a good question. 
It's the right question. And then Jesus is like, here's the answer. Right. Because these tax collectors and sinners, they're the ones who need someone to come and rescue them. Yeah. You know, it, it just, and, and this is going to be like another distinctive, I'm sure we'll talk about as we continue to travel mm. through Luke, of like Jesus, he has a really multifaceted ministry. He's reaching out, engaging all different types of people. But he does have a bent towards giving a lot of attention to reaching out to the marginalized. To the outsiders. To the outsiders. Yeah. And so tax collectors are those people. But the way the way he phrases it in terms of like, who needs a doctor, dude? If like if a doctor went and, and mm. went to go see some sick people, that would totally make sense, right? Because that's what a doctor should do. And, and it just, I don't know, it changes the tone of the question because now the pharisees are like because they're asking themselves like why why would a pharisee why would a rabbi go spend time with mm. a sick person or like oh well if they're supposed to be a doctor that would totally make sense the 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 reason i would disagree with you is because i don't think that's what we're supposed to be mm. so jesus is fundamentally challenging like their own mission mm-hmm. where yeah, and getting them to think about something so deep uh, about their identity, which is yeah, really interesting. I, I think this one's massive in our culture as well. Yeah. Like the the amount of times I've chatted to a parent is like, oh man, I'm really, you know, angsty about you know, with you know, my daughter loves playing with a kid around the corner. And, you know, we just found out that um, she's bisexual. Or, yeah, it just something yeah. i'm like so we don't think she should be friends with her anymore like, we just want to like cut that person out of our life it's like well what's your mission you is know it to, is it to stay holy if, and if not you're be, yeah if you're a doctor surgery world? you know do you put a big sign on the door that says sick people sick people not welcome yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like don't come back until you're healed mm-hmm. so this is massive in our culture this one this is such a prov- a provoking thing for and and i say our culture i actually mean christian culture mm-hmm. but i think american cultures adopted some of it from christianity mm-hmm. as well we we feel very threatened by difference i think that's kind of human as well mm-hmm. but we've got like an elevated sense of it in america so this is really interesting but we got to keep moving so much to want to I want to talk about, but let's keep going. Yes. That one is yeah. so massive. That <laughs> yes. could, yeah, we could talk about that for a whole oh. like get a whole day and talk about that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and so so then we got um, the disciples of John and the Pharisees, and so again, like these teachers of the law are like making observations and be like, uh, "What's going on?" And this this time it's about fasting. Yeah, they're they're like, "Hey, you know, why aren't you guys fasting?" You just keep eating and drinking. You know, what? what's up with that? And Jesus' response, this notion of, hey, there's a time uh, when that'll yeah. be, that'll happen. But right now, the bridegroom's here. Um, yeah. And it was normal for a Pharisee to fast two days a week. Mm-hmm. That was part of, was just like a, reli- a normal religious practice for them. So a rabbi, they would have a normal expectation of, regular fasting and if you're a disciple of a rabbi you're doing what your rabbi does Mm -hmm. it's a normal so this is just like a normal expectation for them they're not like why aren't you being like even more profoundly religious they're like why aren't you doing the normal thing why like why aren't you fasting Mm -hmm. we're confused because john's disciples do it Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so then, he, so it is a really normal thing. Yeah. Like even John's disciples do it, and John's pretty wackadoodle. Like he's pretty out there, you know, like camel's hair mm-hmm, and eating locusts mm-hmm. in the middle of the desert kind of thing. So um, then he answers in a parable. Why is he using a parable? This is the first time we read about um, about Jesus using a parable in Luke here. Oh, that's true. Yeah, um, first so parable. What's the purpose for the parable? Yeah, Richard? yeah. So parables are really interesting because they're they're like open ended stories. Mm-hmm. You know. They're, they're a little bit like a story and it's like choose your own adventure at the end. Like you, you to, to, <laughs> to resolve the plot line, yeah. you have to you have to supply something in a parable mm-hmm. often. And, um, and, and what you, f- what you want to supply or, or what you think can be supplied to finish the story actually reveals something about what you think about the point of the story mm. and about yourself. So parables are really, really clever. We have a method of teaching in, in Western society that's very much like, uh, I'll feel like I've done a good job of teaching you something if I make it really crystal clear what it is I think that you should think. Mm-hmm. But Jesus's way of teaching is actually, and, and this is, um, I mean, Jesus does this, but Jewish culture did it as well. Jesus does it really well, but this is, it's not, massively unusual like a way of teaching that's a bit more like i'm going to entrust to you the question and give you the ingredients to get to the right answer but whether you get there is going to depend a little bit on where you're at Mm. you have to Mm. discover it on your own yes i'm giving you the ingredients but here you go yeah and so yeah it's so he's he's kind of and and he has given them an answer as well because he does say like hey if this was a wedding, like at a wedding feast, you know, do you fast? Right. No. You fast if it's like, oh, no, the groom's been kidnapped. Like, oh, we got to pray and fast. Like, you, yeah, you stop the party when that happens. So Jesus is being like, yeah, fasting is a thing, which we haven't got time to talk about today. But right. like fasting is a way it it affects us, our, our faith, the, the dynamics of self, the dynamics of relationship with God, of uh, the way we interact with dependence, like it, it's a really interesting thing. But Jesus is like, hey, right now, the thing that is going to affect all of those things, even more profoundly than fasting, is here with them. It's me. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- this is a time when fasting is not actually needed and not actually appropriate. But it, but it will be later on. So he's helping. It, it's it's a way of sort of actually saying to them, like, guys, you're concerned about fasting. That's good. Fasting's a good thing. You just you don't understand me. If you understood who I was, you'd understand why there was there's a change. So Well, and then that parable is all about, hey, this new and old and talking about this like I see this picture of, you know, brokenness and something needs to be fixed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the garment mm-hmm. um or the old wineskin. <laughs> um and you know, this contra this uh juxtaposition of the old and new together yeah um so i love that and it causes us to kind of wrestle with the fact is what's what is better the old or the new i mean this this final the final verse and no one 
um, after drinking old wine wants the new for they say the old is better. Yeah. You know, that's a little bit of a head scratcher at the end yeah. there. Yeah. Is he it saying is, the old it, is better? Because it kind of make it kind of makes sense until that point, right? Right. So right. A wine skin would normally be made of animal skin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And animal skin, like that fresh tanned leather, is flexible. It can stretch as you're fermenting the wine, as change, as flexibility, as adaption, as movement is needed that's going to work in a new wine skin but if you put it in an old wine skin that's now got like hard and doesn't have yeah. it can't move it can't be different then it's not going to work and it's tragically it's going to then burst it's going to destroy the wine skin yeah. and you're mm-hmm. going to lose the good the potential yeah. of the goodness of that new wine yeah and so he's like yeah like a, a new thing requires change yeah it's basically what it comes down to like doing something different requires doing something different it requires yeah. change so it's kind of like an obvious point but then he says hey but you know what people prefer like they prefer the old it, people so, don't like change people don't want to change mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so it's really interesting because he and i think there's like a a lot of compassion like this is the sensitive provocateur of jesus he doesn't turn around and be like oh you just don't understand fasting or you you're idiots about you know just yeah He's not combative or anything like that. It's a way of being like, fasting's good. Like, the, you've got a good value, guys. That's like, a, that's a good question. You just don't understand who I am. Mm. Like, you, you need to figure some stuff out and then you'll be able to make sense of this. Yeah. So, so that's quite an affirming direction to lead someone in. But then it's almost like this is a warning of like, but it's going to require you to think differently. Mm, mm. And that's like, you're going to want to resist that. But if you're going to be able to answer the question of like why I'm the bridegroom and what kind of bridegroom I am and why that matters, you're going to have to give up the old wine. Mm. And isn't that a commentary on our own faith journey? I think about my life before Jesus and after Jesus and how, I mean, he breaks into our lives and causes us to think about everything differently. I mean, in his way, in his economy, in his timing. And, um, and we have to be able to let go of the old way. Um, but the only way to do that is by asking him for his help. Yeah. We can't do that on our own. And not just moving from not knowing Jesus to knowing Jesus. Mm-hmm. Moving from Monday morning to Tuesday morning this week. Like all the time. Yes, it's a journey. If, if we're expecting Jesus to be the person who, who not to harm us, not to um, just, you know, because some people age on provocateurs because they just get off on winding people up, Right. But if yeah. he is the challenger because he knows there's so much that needs changing, then that is going to be part of our journey. Our expectation should be like, I bet every year I'm going to be so different. You know? Well, and it, 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 it's a challenge to me too to think like where have I, where do I continually want to hold on to that old wineskin? You yes. know, where do yeah. I, I, I want that change. I want that new wine, but do I want to get rid of the old wineskin? Yeah. Uh, um, and I think I've gotten rid of it, but have I really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think especially yeah. in this season we're in, like this year, yeah. you know, like, yes. Is uh, it like after COVID, we, you know, we've gone through Black Lives Matter. We've gone yeah. through political turmoil. We've mm-hmm. gone through yeah. COVID. We've gone through like all of these things that are making F1 want to reassess and reestablish. And sometimes it's reestablished by reaching it, I almost feel like part of a, a political commentary mm. of Western 
civilization at the moment is you've got half of it reaching for progressive change for hope Mm -hmm. and half of it trying to reclaim some Mm. sense of past identity for a sense of security because that was comfortable Mm. yeah we want comfort so so everyone's reaching for security but in two different so so we're in a season where the world is changing profoundly because of that and there's loads of turmoil and uh and and those things they do affect us but you know hopefully like our hope and our security is in god so we're able to rise above it a bit and be able to anchor ourselves in some different things in Jesus's mission and in his identity and belonging to him, these things, but we're still on mission to that world. Mm -hmm. So this is a season where as, as Mm. followers of Jesus, Mm. as a church, as, you know, as all these things, it's probably going to require some profound change. Mm. Different way of thinking. Yeah. And it's, I got to tell you as a pastor talking to people like uh, people, 50-50 divide into two camps. Some people are like really excited to see what's going to happen and really excited to see what the new wineskin could be. Mm -hmm. And some people are doing the grumbling and complaining and like, hey, I don't like this change. And and sometimes that conversation works out well because someone says, I don't like it, but I want to talk about it. And we talk and we pray Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. seek Jesus and they grow. And they're able to like, with Jesus is able to help them put down the way that they've got security wrapped around an old wineskin and help them grow. And some people are like, no, I just, I don't want to give up the old wineskin. Mm. And, and, and sometimes people are like, you know, they just, they can't get there and, or just genuinely have a different view. And it's like, I'm not even sure that's an old wineskin. I think we've just got some different wineskins and that's cool in the midst of this change. Maybe you're supposed to be there and I'm supposed to be here. You're supposed to do that. I'm supposed to do something different and that's fine. But I got to tell you, the majority of people with this attitude, I think it comes down to just, um, I'm going to lose a bunch of my identity and security if I gave up this old wineskin and I'm not willing to do that. And this is such a challenge then for our seat. This is such a warning that's like so apropos for the season we find ourselves in. If the church is going to thrive, like everyone knows changes on the cards. You know, Richard, as, as you're talking, I'm, I'm just thinking of my, my challenges to sort of grow out of that old wine skin, et cetera. And it starts with me at least saying, um, why am I attached? What are the reasons why I'm holding on to this old mm-hmm. wine skin? And at least I can have that conversation with uh, with God, you know. Yeah, and, and, we, it, and that's natural as well. I'm really glad because yeah, we're all we develop an attachment. Yeah, with, with those things, yeah. it's it's hard. Uh, the, change, change is good, but change isn't easy. No, <laughs> but, it, it's not. But yeah. it's okay. But it's okay. At least I'm more comfortable with at least recognizing mm-hmm. that maybe I'm doing that, or or perhaps as in as I'm reading through this, and and as I'll go over this again and again and again, read this section. You know, that might be a challenge to me to say, God, you know what what's my new wineskin look like? Yeah. What do you want to do? How do you want to shape me? Yeah. Why am I reluctant yeah. to get rid of this old things? Will you help me? Yeah. And I think that. the a, a common, I mean, the two types of people wanting the old wineskin or the, or the new, a common kind of um, heart yearning is 
for restoration. In mm. both cases, one wants to be restored to the way things were, um, forgetting all of the difficult um, difficulties in that in the old wineskin, and the other is crying out for restoration in in what how Jesus wants to restore yeah. and repair mm. and grow, and and so that's how God made us with the heart for restoration. Um, and just where we turn is 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 our choice, is our free will. Yeah, and it's it's almost like the warning here and the nature of Jesus as a challenger actually is a good thing because the we can see the warning of the danger of having like an old wineskin attitude to something. Yeah, you know where we're actually grabbing hold of it. The hope is, oh yeah, but look, Jesus is someone who is capable and wise and able in like in a way that's compassionate but powerful to challenge where there's our wineskins mm. mm-hmm. so like jesus is a safe person to invite the challenge and jesus is like a competent person to challenge the right things so that makes yeah. me think like it would be a really good prayer and a safe prayer but then mm. like a hard prayer mm-hmm. yeah. to be like jesus is there anything that for me i would have an attitude towards like fasting yeah. Like, what are those things in my life, uh, my neighborhood, my church, my, you know, just the different pockets in which I operate where, you know, and, and it's not like sacred secular, like Jesus could be at work in any of them. Yeah. Jesus might be like trying to activate us on mission with a certain set of parents in the schoolyard drop-off zone. Mm-hmm. You know, like it could be yes. all sorts of things. Yes. Like where are those places where I kind of want to be like, oh, I don't like this and ask like, okay, what's the right attitude? Have I got the, I don't like this that should be the beginning of a conversation that's actually going to lead to opportunity? Or have I got the kind of, I don't like this that Jesus, you actually want to be like, yeah, dude, you've got the wrong kind there. We need to talk about that. Like that would be a profoundly vulnerable prayer, but a profoundly good prayer after reading some of these yeah. t- bits of uh, of Luke's gospel. <laughs> Great conversation. Oh, you've just Great planted ones. seeds in my head. Yeah. I just got all, all yeah. of us. We'll we'll Love pray it. that. Yeah. Uh, we'll let you know how that goes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll try that on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, that and that brings us to the end of chapter five. End so that's this five. week. And so go keep reading dwelling on it saturating in it there's a few things we kind of camped on um and yeah it, it might be some of those things god draws you deeper into and it might be some other stuff that we haven't even noticed or talked about and so go explore and have a rich time in this chapter this week god bless Amen.